We'll finish up Matthew 5 today. And so if you're following along with me, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5, and that is page 811 in your uh, pew Bibles. Reading started in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles or the unsaved do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed at your grace again and again, over and over and over. Cities upon cities, nations upon nations sin against you nightly. Yet you send rain on their gardens and their grass. You bring the sun up every morning. The sun should, should consume our city from the sin of last night. Yet in your grace, you allowed the sun to rise on the sinner once again. Your love, your mercy, and your grace is far above ours, way above ours. Wouldn't be surprised, Lord, to look into the hearts of each one of us, and perhaps we watched the news this morning or heard something of our city and we were appalled and we weren't very merciful in our response we said some things were un unbecoming of a Christian Lord because we don't understand your love and so Lord this morning from the passage that is at hand I pray that we would see ourselves that we would see you and that we would understand our responsibility to respond to you because of what you have provided for us in the gospel. So use your word today to conform us into your likeness. Give us the grace and the mercy and the enablement of your spirit to live in accordance with these words. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to begin uh, to uh, kind of build the context a little bit uh, when it takes you uh, five years to, to do one chapter because you don't preach week after week. Sometimes you miss the concepts. So I just want to go back real quickly just to uh, refresh our memories first. Uh, we, we went through six contrasts uh, to pharisaical interpretations of scriptures from Matthew 5, 21 uh, to verse 48. Uh, this is how we see how the Pharisees failed and how Jesus fulfilled. Pharisees failed, Jesus fulfilled. We looked at anger, we looked at lust, uh, the sexual sins, we looked at the oath, 
uh, oaths taken, we took it, looked at retaliation, and today we will look at the love of your enemies. These six contrasts illustrates Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 through 20, which is uh, that uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so Jesus is teaching, showing how he fulfilled the gospel and how the Pharisees were not uh, fulfilling uh, the, the law. Uh, for ha- perhaps they were fulfilling the law, the, the letter of the law, but they weren't fulfilling the law of love, which is really the purpose of the, uh, the Old Testament is to describe how we are to, to love, not necessarily how we are to obey uh, every little jot and, and tittle. Uh, but he's teaching us how to love. Uh, the application of the contrast, of these contrasts, comes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. And 5 and verse 20 says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So uh, it's it's shown you how the Pharisees fell short in their interpretation, uh, but it's showing you how your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, which Jesus Christ fulfilled for us, and which we will fulfill too if we allow Christ through us to live the way that he desires for us to worship. We sung this morning, he not only died for us, but he's also living for us, living through us to accomplish and fulfill his word uh, in, our own, in our own lives. Okay, so uh, let's begin with talking about the pharisaical hatred. Pharisaical hatred, and I say hatred because uh, unless you love like Christ, you are hating like sinful man. It says in verse 43 that you have heard what it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay? Uh, this, is, this is talking about uh, moralism. Uh, this is talking about the unregenerate. This is talking about the unsaved uh, individual. We're talking about worldly philosophies, right? It's basic humanism. Uh, it's uh, uh, paganism, atheism. It's the philosophy of the day. What is the philosophy of the day? Well, you are to love those who love you, and you are to hate those that hate you. Isn't that logical? Isn't that what the world thinks? That's exactly what they do. That's exactly what the Pharisees uh, were, were, were thinking. Uh, some of the comments that we may make uh, where, we, where we are not living in accordance with the word of God, and we're just living with basic, uh, with basic knowledge, basic humanistic moralism, is that I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Right? And that's not the case. It's, you can't do whatever you want, even if it doesn't hurt any, anybody else. Uh, one, of the, one of those examples, it's none of your business what I do in my home. And I always remind people that there was a nurse in Wuhan, China, uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, turned a, a spray can loose that had some of the uh, viruses in it, and, he, and she got sick. And then over here in Savannah, I, I've gotten it twice so far. And so you're trying to tell me it's none of my business what a, ner- what a nurse in Wuhan or a scientist in, New- in Wuhan, China uh, is doing. Not to mention that uh, 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 6,000-plus years ago, Adam sinned, and because of his sin, I have a sin nature. So it is important to understand uh, that sin does affect uh, us all, and it does matter uh, what you are doing in your personal life. Uh, so we say it's none, of your, it's none of your business what I do in my home, but in fact... Uh, we need to be uh, living like Christ uh, in public, in the church, and in our home. Uh, the Pharisees were concerned about outward appearances. 
Jesus is teaching that Christianity is a heart religion, and the Pharisees had a heart problem, and we have a heart problem. That's the, that's the bottom line. The intent of the law is love, and, uh, and, and so the Pharisees may have been obeying the Scripture somewhat, uh, but it wasn't being used for the purpose of loving other people. Uh, it was uh, for the purpose of critiquing and whatever else with other people. So there was a misuse. They were misusing the word of God. Uh, they were, uh, the Pharisees were, uh, were using partial truths. In other words, they didn't, they didn't, take, the, they didn't take the law and, and take it where it was intended to go. They took it as far as they wanted to go. And then they stopped there, and, and that's how they lived their life. And so it was partial truths. There's some places where it was just simply full-blown lies, just total lies didn't have anything to do with scriptures. Uh, they were also twisting scriptures. Uh, Matthew chapter says, uh, Matthew chapter seven verse one says, "Judge not, lest you be judged." And I heard a pastor preach while he was preaching that particular uh, uh, passage and saying that that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to judge. We're supposed to have spiritual discernment. And uh, he he interpreted it to say, "Twist not scriptures, unless you be like Satan." And so uh, the Pharisees were being like Satan and that he was twisting scriptures uh, and using scriptures to advance their own agenda rather than advancing the kingdom of God. Uh, there was also some missed interpretations and there was some wrong application. Um, I think it was Spurgeon who said that the preaching didn't start until the application uh, begun. If you think about Job and his friends when they were arguing, uh, the, uh, the, the Job's friends were pretty theological. Some of the statements they were making were very theological. But the way that they were applying it to Job's life uh, was not biblical, right? And so it's important that we interpret Scripture correctly, and it's also important that we apply it to our lives and apply it to other people's lives uh, uh, correctly, or, or we're wrong uh, all the way across. And the uh, Pharisees uh, were guilty of uh, wrong application, making even their interpretations uh, were, were wrong. So pharisaical hate uh, from scriptures, just giving an example of those. Um, Luke chapter 18, let me go there because I'm going to refer to that again. So I will read uh, Luke chapter 18 and then come back to it uh, later. Uh, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 10, 10 through 14. Uh, just read the whole section there, starting in 9. It said, he also told uh, this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, ex extortioners and unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast type, uh, twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For the everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself uh, will be exalted. So notice the hatred uh, of, the, of the outward sin uh, of this... Uh, of this publican and it says that this publican who humbled himself would get into the kingdom of God before the Pharisee uh, who was misinterpreting scriptures and who was hating other people because of their because of their sins 
Then we can turn to John chapter 8. You can look, look at that later. Uh, but uh, Bethsaida is a woman uh, caught in adultery. And, uh, and so they were uh, hating adulterers, hating harlots. Um, they hated any, any public display of sin. Right? That's the, the idea of lust. You've heard what's said of old. Uh, do not commit adultery. But I say if you lust in your heart. You know, they were only concerned about the outward actions. You've heard what it said of old, uh, uh, do not be angry, but I say that if you harbor anger in your heart or do not murder, if you anger harbor in your heart, uh, then, uh, then you're guilty of murder as well. So the Pharisees were really concerned about outward appearance and public displays of sin and, and really reject, uh, denied the heart, uh, didn't, didn't deny the heart issues of life. It's just like if I, uh, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but I, if I ask now, who here has never taken a gun out and, and shot anybody? Nobody's hand would, would uh, go up, I'm sure. Uh, but if I said, how many of you have ever was angry at somebody and wished they were dead? Well, God looks at the heart wanting somebody dead the same as he looks at someone who actually shot the dead. All right, you're still guilty of murder. You have a murderous heart, which is really the seed where all the other stuff grows, grows into. And so the Pharisees were, uh, were uh, guilty of this particular thing. So uh, if you look, think about scriptures and think about it, the Pharisees were consumed about this question, about this issue of neighbor. And, uh, and they were trying to interpret what a neighbor uh, was. And I found three uh, schools of thoughts uh, that, that, uh, that they had back in the day in what a neighbor was. Some would say, uh, some of them were teaching, only other scribes and Pharisees are your neighbor. Right? So remember, Jesus said, uh, love those who love you and hate those who hate you. So, they, so you loved other scribes and the Pharisees, but you hated all other people. Right? Some uh, um, said that uh, you love your scribes and your Pharisees, the Pharisees, uh, but you're also, your neighbors included, blood relatives and close friends. Right, so they, they broaden the circle a little bit. So probably, you know, your father and your mother and your children and your cousins, uh, maybe everybody that comes down to the synagogue, right? So this open a little bit broader to the community. But anybody outside of that, they were considered enemies and they were to be treated uh, uh, as such. And, and then broadening that, they went to only pure and true Jews uh, were saved. And, of course, that brings into mind the Samaritan Woman. So when you think of Pharisaical uh, teachings uh, on the on on their neighbor, we can we can look at John chapter four verse nine, which is about again about the Samaritan woman. Uh, the Samaritan woman asks, "Why are you talking to me? Because you're a Jew, right? Because no Jews would talk to the Samaritans because they weren't pure uh, pure Jews. Uh, they, if you remember the last time on retaliation, we talked about revenge and justice and personal vendetta." Uh, right, and they were operating on love those who love you and hate those who hate you. Just, just bottom line, humanism, moralism. Um, so they were acting just like the people around them. They weren't, they weren't living above the way that Christ lives above the world. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter seven and De De uh, Exodus chapter twenty-three, uh, that is about uh, going into the land of Canaan. Jesus, uh, God is getting ready to give the land of Canaan to the Jews. He tells them to go into Canaan, and he wants you to plummet all of the Canaanites. Wipe them out, wipe them out completely. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they went back to interpret the Old Testament and the law, they would use that and say, see, there it is right there. We're supposed to only love Jews. 
And we're supposed to hate and condemn everybody, everybody else. We're supposed to hate the Gentiles or not to, to, uh, to associate with, with them. Well, you know, you're, the, the uh, Abraham's uh, covenant uh, was that you were to be a blessing to the nations. Right? Jesus went in and cleared the temple with a whip. That was the closest section that Gentiles were able to come, even they weren't allowed into the temple. That was the closest that they were able to come. And so Jesus was really disappointed in the Jews because they were turning all the Gentiles away and they were only loving uh, themselves. And the, quite frankly, the church can uh, become that kind of a situation as, as well, uh, where we stop looking to bring people in and we just focus on just loving our, ourselves. Okay, so Christ in his teaching, uh, in his example, verse 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and, praise, and uh, pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus shows the fruit of grace in loving your enemies. Right? He's contrasting the loss with the saved. He's contrasting the unregenerate with the regenerate. Right? The Pharisees say, love only your neighbor. And he, they define that very uh, loose, uh, closely. I mean, they really put boundaries on it. They only love other Pharisees and other Jews. Uh, you're supposed to love those who love you and hate those who hate you. Jesus said in response that you are to love your enemies. And how do you love your enemies? You want to bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who persecute you. Quite a difference between what the Pharisees are doing and what uh, Jesus was doing. And so in, uh, in, in opening up this this uh, passage to us, I think we need to uh, look at three important words uh, that we see as we go through this. I want to look at neighbor. What does neighbor mean? I want to look at love, and I want to look at the word bless. I think when you get to the end, I think you will be uh, blessed by what, uh, what is uncovered here or what is unveiled here. Okay, so uh, neighbor, I want to go back to Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, so just turn back a few pages. Malachi chapter 2. We're asking, what is a neighbor? What does the Bible say about neighbor? Uh, Malachi chapter, oops, this, Malachi chapter 2, that's Matthew chapter 2. Uh, Want to look at verse 10. <laughs> verse 10, it says, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Okay, another, another translation says, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us all? Why then do we deal so treacherously with each other? Profaning the, the covenant of our fathers. Okay, so the, 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 the definition of marriage, marriage, the definition of neighbor uh, would be that we are all created by God. Everybody is. And Everybody is made in the image of God. So if everybody is created by God and everybody has the image of God, why do we deal faithlessly with them and why do we deal treacherously with them? So what is the old, this, this is the Old Testament. This is, the Pharisees had this. So what is, what is this saying that is contrary to what the Pharisees were teaching? The Pharisees were, say, say, were, were teaching only the Jews or only the Pharisees. The Old Testament teaches, the Bible teaches us that every single person on the face of the planet is our neighbor based on the fact that they've been created by God and made in God's image. That we have no right as a believer 
to deal faithlessly or treacherously with any person on the face of the planet, or we will profane the covenant. Every person has to be treated with dignity. Who is my neighbor? From Jesus' perspective, well, if we look at the uh, Samaritan woman, uh, Jesus used the most hateful neighbor of the Jews to describe who the neighbor was. Or I should say, not the, the, the uh, Samaritan one, but the, the Good Samaritan. If you remember the Good Samaritan? Uh, there was a person that was on the side of the road, was injured, and uh, it says that a scribe and a Pharisee passed by on the other side, and then a Samaritan came, and he's the one that, that helped him. Okay, so the, the, you could say that the pastor left the prayer meeting, and as he was walking home, there was a person injured on the street, and he passed over on the other side of the street and went home. And the, and the, the wording there in the Good Samaritan is that the, uh, the scribe and the Pharisee had finished up their duties, and they didn't have any other responsibilities, and they were heading home. And they passed on the other side of the street. Then there was a deacon uh, who finished up prayer meeting. He was heading home, and he too passed on the other side of the street. And then there was this lost guy. There was a Samaritan, and he came by. And, and the, the wording is, is, that, is that he wasn't just on a journey. He was, he was heading on a place. He had a place to go. He wasn't finished up with prayer meeting. He had a place to go. And he stopped, picked him up, tended to him, took care of him, took him to the place to, to heal up said, whatever expenses you incurred, apply to my account. He left, and, uh, and they fixed up, his, uh, fixed up his wounds, right? And so Jesus used uh, the, 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 the most hated person, uh, a Samaritan, who is not a pure Jew, uh, to rebuke the Pharisees in describing who their, who, who their marriage was. And Jesus said uh, afterwards, asking the Jews, now which one of these was your neighbor? And they said the Samaritan was. And Jesus, and then Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees, go and do likewise. So he say, what he was saying to the Jews, who, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, who were supposed to be Christians and God's elect, this Samaritan had more uh, uh, signs of regeneration and the grace of God working through him than these religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, had. Now, this is also the, the, the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, and uh, look at verse 24. It's coming, coming down to the end of the, uh, of, the, of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's pointing his fingers at us, just like he did at the uh, Pharisees, and he said, go and do likewise. Go and do as I have, I have taught. And so the, ne the, uh, uh, the, um, the neighbor includes everybody who's made in the image and likeness of God, and they should they should uh, love and reach out to them and be kind to all, all of them. Okay, which turns us now to love. Uh, love is the central theme of the gospel. Love uh, throughout scriptures 
means to be to self-sacrifice and to give one's self uh, to another. And so when we're loving our en enemies, we need to understand that the fallen nature treats others as they are treated. Treats others as they are treated. The new nature, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, it says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So it, has, it says, do to others as you would want them to do to you. It doesn't say, do to others the way that the others are doing to you. Right? It's completely different. Two, two different ways of responding to a particular situation. We as believers, as Christians, we are to do as we would want them to do to us, even when they are not doing to us what we want to be done to us. That's the difference. Clear difference. Okay, so, um, so this idea of love, uh, mercy can be put in its place at any particular time. Right? If you think about mercy, uh, mercy is not giving somebody what they deserve. Right? We're not giving. That's the, the definition of love. That's the definition of mercy. We're not going to give them what they deserve. So if we go back to, uh, to our passage that we looked at earlier that we, that we read, uh, the publican was, was saying, God, be merciful to me. Now, in studying the, the, the book of Hebrews with the, the senior adults, uh, that idea of mercy, uh, if you think of the Ark of the Covenant, you come in from the east side, you come to the curtain, uh, you come to the uh, altar, you make your sacrifice, uh, you leave because you can't, only the priest can go any further. The priest takes the blood sacrifice, goes into the holy place, does the ceremonies and things that go there, got to take care, uh, perform there, and then they go into the Holy of Holies and they take the blood sacrifice and they put it on the mercy seat. Right? The mercy seat is where the propitiation occurred, where, where Christ uh, lays, his, lays his blood. And, and that is on the mercy seat with the uh, angels on each side and the Shekinah glory right in the middle. So that is the meeting place of God. Right? The meeting place wasn't at the altar. The meeting place wasn't at the, in the holy place. The, the meeting place of God was in the holy of holies at the mercy seat. That mercy seat is where the blood sacrifice occurred. Right? And so the meeting place of God today is where Jesus Christ has taken his blood and put it on the mercy seat in, he in, in, in heaven. So the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is where the meeting place is now. If we're going to meet with God, the only way we're going to meet with God is in Jesus Christ at his, blood, at his blood sacrifice. And so when you think of the publican, right, this is the prayer that we need to learn, right? We think of the publican, he said... God, be merciful for me, a sinner. Right? Change that word mercy uh, in, in all that I've explained to you so, so far. God, be my, be my blood sacrifice. God, be my substitute. Right? God, be my propitiation. God, love me self-sacrificially without giving me what I deserve. Right? That's the prayer that God wants to, wants to hear. 
Not, not what the Pharisees were doing, not what the Pharisees were saying, right? He wants us to realize that he has given us self-sacrificial love, mercy. He has given us mercy. And that is the principle by which Christ is now saying, I want you now to go out and be merciful, just like I was merciful. Right? Now, we like to think of other people as enemies, and we look at other people as deserving the wrath of God. But in reality, everybody in here was an enemy of God at some point. Right? While we were enemies, Christ died for us. We were enemies of God. We deserved God's wrath. We deserved God's punishment. And in his love and in his mercy, he did not give us what we deserve. But in his loving self-sacrifice, he treated us as if we were not sinners and enemies and died for him and saved ourselves. And so when God says to love our enemies, he wants us to love our enemies the way that he loved his enemies. Merciful love is not responding by what a person deserves, but gives them what they do not deserve. This is a merciful and gracious, one-sided love, which demonstrates Christ-like love and glorifies God. One-sided, one-sided Christ-like love. Your love for your enemy is not based on what the enemy does or says. It's based on you being a Christian and wanting to be like Christ to show one-sided, self-sacrificing, merciful love to another person. Treat them much better than they are treating you. Listen, this is what, this is what Jesus says right here. They curse you, you bless them. They do bad to you, you do good to them. They persecute you, you pray for them. Right? That's how, that's how you bless them. Right? That's the third word. Bless. Bless means to speak well of. To bless or invoke a benediction upon them. When it's all said and done, what are, what's the benediction going to be? The benediction is going to be, bless you. May God deal bountifully with you. May God spare your life. May God show his grace. Or may you show grace to him. May you show mercy to him or her. When they are slandering your name, you're continuing to talk well of them. Right? They're discrediting your name. They're, they're saying all kinds of negative things about you in the public. You don't stoop to that level. You live above them. You continue to bless them. Okay, let's go back to Psalm 50 to look at blessed or blessing. We'll look at several, several verses. All right, Psalm 50, 16 through 21. 
Psalm 50, 16 through 21, speaks of the wicked and those who act like them. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you keep company with adulterers. And then 21, uh, 22 through 23 is the wise who display God in his salvation. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his ways rightly, I will show the salvation of God, which is important uh, because uh, those who act like the wicked will accomplish nothing. Those who act in accordance with God's word, he will show salvation, right? To you and to your enemy, hopefully. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're looking for. Okay, that's key. Keep that in your mind. We're going to show salvation. Let's go over to uh, Proverbs chapter 25. Twenty-one and twenty-two verses twenty-one and twenty-two. If your um, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Okay, he's going to show you salvation, and the Lord is going to reward you. And if you're kind and if you're loving, it's like heaping coals on the person's head. And we don't rejoice in that. All right, go, go to the next book, uh, Solomon. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 8. I'm going to camp out on verses 6 and 7 now. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. It says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong in death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes, or love, the love flashes are flashes of fire. The very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it out. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. Put those, put those verses in your mind together. He'll show us your salvation. He will bless you. You're heaping hot coals uh, on their head. Love are flashes of fire, coals of fire, the very flame of the Lord that many waters cannot quench, and neither uh, can floods drown it out. So love is as strong as death. Think about how strong death is. Once you die, you're dead. There's not much you can do about it. I mean, it's a permanent thing, and, uh, and it says that love is, uh, is like that. 
Okay, so uh, the coals are coals of love. These coals of fire uh, are an eternal flame. A strong eternal flame of the Lord. Love is an intense eternal fire. It cannot be quenched with water. It cannot be quenched, uh, though it be a flood. Love is the very flames of the Lord. Neither the floods of persecution can put it out. Neither the floods of cursing can put it out. None of the flames of reviling can turn it out, put it out. Love is the eternal flame of God. God who is love, who will quench the effects of the, of the wicked. It will quench the wicked attitudes of your enemy if you respond with the love of the Lord. He will show you his salvation. He will show you and bless you showing you his fire, showing you his salvation, if you would love your enemy. Our primary response should be, or our attitude should be, I want my enemies to come to the Lord. We should treat our enemies as though they are going to be a future brother, sister in Christ, and then love them into the kingdom. And the word of God says that love is the fire of the Lord that will bring about salvation in the lives of the individuals because their wickedness and their persecution and their cursing cannot overcome the love of God. There's nothing that can't overcame the love of God when he was on the cross. Though they put him to death, they could not overtake the love of God. It is still being worked out today in our lives as Christ builds the church. So in Romans chapter 12, oh, hold on a second. Now, let, me, let me add this. God may use your act of love as the coal of eternal flame that cannot be quenched and will melt the wicked heart of your adversary and bring him to Jesus Christ in salvation. We must love to burn away the hatred. That is our concern. That is our desire. So in Romans chapter 12, it says, do not return evil for evil. 1 Peter 2.23, Jesus was reviled and did not revile. He suffered but threatened not. Think about Jesus on the cross. He was being mocked. He was being killed. He was being martyred. And what was his response? Forgive all of them, for they know not what they do. They were blaspheming the name of Jesus Christ. And he was saying, these might be my brothers and sisters in Christ. These are, these are going to advocate on my behalf they're going to work in the church to reconcile other of my enemies and bring them to christ and so i'm going to teach them the idea of love and what love does when we live in accordance with jesus christ rather than accordance with the world that we don't return evil with evil we don't live in such a way where we love those who love us and we hate those who hate us no we are going to love everybody and when they're cursing us and blaspheming our names and discrediting us all over town, we're going to respond by building them up and talking good about them and showing love and feeding them when they're hungry and giving them water uh, when, they're, when they are thirsty. And that's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. 
Ah, that's the wrong verse. Um, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. Right? Notice that. Do these things so that you may be the sons of my father in heaven. For he makes the sun shine and rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward is that? Do not, do not the tax collector do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what, would, uh, what are you doing uh, different than any other? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is uh, perfect. And so God is looking for Christ followers who are to imitate God in Christ. Jesus said, or Paul said in Romans chapter 5, he loved us while we were enemies of him. We are forgiven. We are to forgive others just as God forgave us. God so loved us, therefore we should love one another. God pleaded his love to us for our reconciliation, then we should love others so that they will be reconciled. Plead the love of Christ while we are loving them like Christ so that they will be reconciled. We know in Romans chapter 2 it says that the goodness of God, the love of God leads a man to repentance. Jesus prayed for his enemies from the cross. Through that he overcame evil with good. The love of God in sending his son sent a hot coal from his altar, melting away evil so that mankind could be saved. And we also know in James chapter 1 that it says man's wrath does not produce the righteousness of God. Nothing that we can do out of anger or spite or wrath can produce the righteousness of God. Only the love of God and obedience to God can produce the righteousness of God. So he's calling for our obedience, right? So that you may be seen as children of God. The Christian was to is to reveal Christ's character. Right? Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are to live calling attention to Christ. And his love and his righteousness. Galatians, Paul said in Galatians that Christ in you is your hope and glory. Romans says that the love of God was poured out in your soul by the spirit of God. The first gift of the list of gifts is love. Right? He poured his love out. The first gift is love. The first, the first thing that we should see in a transformed life is how the Christian loves Right? How he loves his spouse, how he loves his children, how he loves within the church, how he loves the world and the people in the world because of the transformation that Christ has made uh, in, and, in and through our lives. Your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes in this, listen, beyond worldly wisdom, beyond just what the rest of the world does. Atheists are kind to their uh, to their parents, they're kind to their wife, 
They go and they provide for their children. They do everything that we do. But a lot of atheists, a lot of worldly people, they don't love their enemies. They act in anger. They act in, uh, in, in uh, they're, they're malicious towards their, their enemies. So we want a love that goes beyond the Pharisees. They say love those who love you. They say to greet or salute those who greet and salute you. But you're just being like a tax collector. You're just being like a, a Gentile. You're just being like the world. When Jesus says to love our enemies. And he ends by saying, be ye perfect as Christ is perfect. And he, Christ, wants to fulfill his demand uh, for Christ-like love. He wants you to be able to bless even your enemies. One-sided, self-sacrificial, giving another person what they do not deserve. One-sided. You're not doing it based on what they've done to you, but how you want to be retreated by them. And I think that's the key because if you respond to them the way that they respond to you, then you're being just like them. And you need to look different so that when they evaluate themselves, because you know that men like to compare themselves with men. And so they'll say, well, you're supposedly a Christian. Look how you responded. Right? But if you respond in love, they have no choice but to point them fingers back at themselves and say, you were so good to me, even the way that I treated you. I feel so sorry. Will you forgive me? And then you can take that and go right into the gospel. And say, so the reason why I responded that way, because, you know, I'm an enemy of God. And I hated God one time. And he died on the cross for me and showed his mercy. And I'm just showing you the same mercy that God showed to me. But if you don't respond that way, you'll never have the opportunity to share the gospel uh, with an enemy that may be your brother and sister in Christ. If you would have just responded in love to that particular person. May the perfect love of God, who sends rain on the just and the unjust, be made manifest in each one of your hearts that you may be seen as the children of God modeling your father who is in heaven bringing glory and honor to his name just don't love the people that's sitting in the pew love that hard neighbor love that hard co-worker and show them the mercy and love of Christ let's pray father we thank you for your word Lord, we wouldn't know that we were supposed to love our enemies. It just seems so right that if you have an enemy, you go to war with them and you fight them. But only in your word, only by your grace, can we see and receive and have the power to overcome the world and to love them despite how the world teaches us. For the sake of reconciliation and for salvation, Lord, Help us to see the image of God in every person that we encounter and help us to love them as though we expect God through your love, coals of fire, burning flame, to melt away their cursing and their anger and their hatred towards us that they may become a brother and sisters in Christ. Allow love to pass over a multitude of sins. And may we see the transformation in our home and in our workplace and in our neighborhoods because we have reached out and chose to love our neighbor the way that Christ loved us. Use your word today to transform us into the image and likeness of Christ. 
helping our love to exceed that of the scribe and the Pharisees, to love like Christ. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.